When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's very short, 93 minutes, very accessible, and it's kind of sexy. Like, I like a bit of horny horror, so it kind of ticks all my boxes. AI is so present in the day now and online identity theft and deep fakes and so many women are having their kind of bodies used for this that they kind of like preempted it in a way and I think it's a really interesting film that kind of challenges where your expectations or where the genre maybe leads you into thinking so yeah really glad you picked it and we can tell more people to watch it. Hey everyone, welcome to Flixwatcher Podcast. Today I'm joined by Josh. Hello. Becky. Hi. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the film Cam. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. Thank you to Ben from Rocket Audio who's editing this podcast right now, as you can hear it. Please remember to head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts to give a five-star rating and a glowing review. And if you want to join in the conversation with us, go to Twitter at FlixWatcherPod or Instagram at FlixWatcher and also threads at FlixWatcher. But, you know, we haven't got to grips with threads yet. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Josh and Becky. Over to you, please, Josh. Tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Yeah, of course. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my name's Josh. I'm an actor. I'm a writer, podcaster. You can find me on the internet, usually talking about one of four topics, which I've been in love with since... One of them is Britney Spears. Can you tell? (laughs) Can you tell? Do I have her book on the shelf right behind me? Yes, I do. It looks to be like an album cover and I seem to remember that cover. Oh yeah. For those of you that can't see, I've got Britney's book, which came out end of last year. Emancipation one, what's it called? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty incredible, actually. It's a, it's a great read. So yeah, Britney's one of the four things I tend to talk about. It's going to be a 90s horror movies or a pop divas. That tends to be where I hang out online talking about. And then I'm an actor as well. I started in musical theatre And I've recently sort of started dipping my toe into more screen work. My film, The Latent Image, uh, came out last year. And I've got another project that should be coming out later this year as well, which is really exciting. So yeah, it's cool. So when you say writer, you mean you write TV and film scripts? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And all sort of within the horror genre, within that wheelhouse. Yeah. Nice. Who are you at the top of my screen? 
<laughs> Who, me? Who's <laughs> <laughs> me? Hi, I'm Becky Dark. I'm a writer and podcaster. Like Josh, I spend a lot of my time watching and podcasting and writing about horror specifically and the 90s. I'm a big nostalgia fan. And Josh and I actually sort of met through the horror community and then started our own podcast about the 90s kind of kids TV show Erie Indiana so we did return to Erie Indiana which was a really fun little project of ours sadly Erie Indiana was only 19 episodes long so it was always a like podcast that kind of had an end point but we had a lot of fun kind of chatting to people who were involved in the show and we've done a live event and stuff all around it so that was really cool and I'm sort of heavily involved in the evolution of horror podcast as well and work really closely with Mike Munzer doing horror screenings of like classic horror films and kind of lesser seen gems around the country as well. So yeah, busy. Yeah, Mike's been a previous guest on this show and I want to just touch briefly on Eerie Indiana because that was one of my favourite shows. Yeah, amazing. As a kid growing up and it had a weird ending though, didn't it? It like, did it flip to like different characters randomly at the end or well, it depends which episode you're talking about, which technically aired last. If we, it, The actual sort of series finale was Reality Takes a Holiday, which is a sort of a meta story in which the characters all start playing themselves when Marshall, sort of our protagonist of the story, he sort of gets stuck in his own episode of Eerie Indiana where all his parents and friends actually are now the actors that play those roles. So you have that. But then there was an episode, which I think, was it The Lost Hour that they actually aired last, which was deemed too controversial for television at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I really can't remember the ins and outs of it. I just remember really enjoying it. And there's kind of a few things that a lot of TV shows where weird stuff happens seems to be set in Indiana, Stranger Things being one of them. Oh, yeah. And also... I always kind of compared it with Round the Twist in terms of like weird, freaky, like stories going on. Oh, big oh, time. brilliant show. And I think <laughs> I'm more of a Round the Twist fan mainly because of the theme tune, which has me like, I'm going to, as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm going to press it, press play. I'm going to find <laughs> it on Spotify. You've got to listen to it because it's one of the outstanding theme songs. Maybe that should be our next podcast, Josh. We'll do a rewatch of the- <laughs> Round the Twist. I mean, the theme tune is a banger for sure. Hey, I'll come on and come and join you. Yeah, you've got a guest already. Mm. <laughs> yes, we do. We've got and, a guest. Good to go. So we're here talking about Cam, which is George vs. Becky. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And second of all, I'll give you 60 seconds to give a synopsis. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I chose this, as I've already said, like I'm a huge horror fan and there's some decent horror on Netflix, um, particularly kind of sort of quite interesting indie horror, kind of amongst all of the insidiouses and sinisters and all of that kind of stuff. And when people ask me for things to watch on Netflix, if I know that they're into horror, Cam is one of the ones that I always recommend. So it used to be The Invitation, which I think has come off of the service now. It's always Creep and Hush, which I also think has come off now. Although hopefully they'll be back. I know Josh is crying because Hush is one of his favourites. Love Hush, yeah. They flit in and out, don't they? 
Yes, exactly. And yeah, like I say, CAM is a fave. It came out in 2018. It was a kind of Netflix present. So they were one of the producers behind it, along with Blumhouse. And it's very short, 93 minutes, very accessible. And it's kind of sexy. Like I like a bit of horny horror. So it kind of ticks all my boxes. I mean, (laughs) the horny bit within the fake, fake death by suicides. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the synopsis. Timer starting now. Alice, or Lola, is an ambitious cam girl who's desperate to increase her rating on her streaming website, setting her up with some healthy rivalries against other girls on the site. As her star begins to rise, she finds herself usurped from her own profile and videos by someone or something that looks exactly like her, and she needs to go to dangerous lengths to regain her identity. Beautiful. 30 seconds long. Flawlessly done. Mm. Very good. Rehearsed. (laughs) Helen, have you heard of Cam before Becky suggested it for us? I had actually. So I think we had Ben Travis on and he brought Unfriended to us and said, if you like this, then Cam is also good. And on his recommendation, I watched it. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned the invitation because Mike picked that. So he wouldn't have been able to have that one either. Creep has been circling around. Someone picked it, but it didn't happen. And that also would have been a good one. But yeah, so I watched it maybe oh, probably over a year ago. And I was kind of like, oh no, shall I rewatch it? Shall I, shan't I? And I thought, you know what? It's 93 minutes. I will rewatch it. And watching it this second time round and kind of getting where it was going a little bit, I liked it a lot more. I did enjoy it the first time round. I was kind of a bit, I just don't really know what it is and the ending <laughs> didn't know where to what to make of it but I think the start is so wild like the fake death thing is just so crazy to begin with and I loved it but what I think is really kind of like the scary thing for me is kind of how this was like from 2018 and I'm still quite not sure what the thing is but it's so much like AI is so present in the day now and online identity theft and deep fakes and so many women are having their kind of bodies used for this that they kind of like preempted it in a way and I think it's a really interesting film that kind of challenges where your kind of expectations or where like the genre maybe leads you into thinking so yeah really glad you picked it and we can tell more people to watch it. Josh, what were your thoughts? Had you seen it before? I'd not, no. This had been one that had been sort of circling in the periphery of my attention for a long time. And I had heard really good things about it. And I don't know why I hadn't got around to watching it. So this was the perfect excuse. And like you say, Helen, I I loved the opening scene. I, I think horror is just the perfect genre to have a banging opening. And this one really does. What I especially liked about this film is although it's clearly low budget there's a sense of style and aesthetic to it that makes the story look really good there's so many low budget horror movies you can watch where the plot's good and the performances are all right but what you're looking at looks like it was it's not very well lit and all of like all of that this has got a great style to it and I think that the use of screen work because we're seeing a lot of things like a lot of text on screens we're seeing lots of we're watching a screen while people are watching things on the screen and that could be really boring and it's really effectively 
done. I think it's successful in that way. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. That is a new kind of like skill. Yes. There's that stage where, and I first saw it in Sherlock, where now text messages are shown on screen in an interesting way. But now it's like what's on the screen is shown in an interesting way, not just pointing the camera at the computer screen. It's like how to embed that into kind of the tapestry of the kind of, oh, the mise-en-scene, essentially. For sure. I always find it fascinating how they try and do that and how they fold that into it to make it engaging because ostensibly if I'm looking at someone's screen in real life I'm not interested <laughs> exactly yeah and because film is clearly such a visual medium it can be really difficult when you have to get across emotional beats and plot points and all of this stuff while reading text or looking at a laptop or a phone screen so I was impressed that none of that annoyed me in this film at all <laughs> And it was still able to evoke so much tension. And I think a lot of that came through some really successful editing, some really pretty lighting and some great storytelling in that way. Yeah. Some wild horny emojis as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there an emoji after she faked the suicide? Was there an emoji that came like literally seconds later that was like a cutting head off? I don't know. I was, I was just... Yeah, there were loads of things like that. Loads of ones that sort of, they're almost like emojis, but they're animated, aren't they, as well? They're like little cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, with big erections. Huge erections. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah with big erections. Get the listeners in, draw them in. So how many times have you seen this now then, Becky? So this was only my second watch. And the first time I watched it would have been, I guess, not too long after it came out. And I checked back on Letterboxd to see kind of what rating I gave it at the time. And I rated it four and just said in my review something, you know, just that I really loved it. And for one reason or another, I guess just because we've got such a huge volume of stuff to watch. And if I go back to stuff, it's because it's like a real classic or I kind of want like a real comfort watch. I just hadn't gone back to Cam yet. And a bit like Josh saying with this being his first watch, this was a really good excuse to do that. And I was very very pleased that it kind of stood up to that second watch and I really enjoyed it the second time as well. And I think one of the things that really kind of stands out for me is that central performance. Alice or Lola is such a like you can kind of believe in the universe of the film, like why she is kind of gaining this success as a cam girl. She's very likeable. She's very charismatic. She's very sexy. And I just found myself like she's in pretty much a hundred percent of the film. Like the action doesn't go away from her at all. And I was really kind of Activated by that character and the sort of like her ambition and then what the way that she starts to deal with stuff when it starts to kind of go wrong for her. I thought that her reactions to it were all very believable and I was kind of rooting for her to get to the bottom of this, this sort of scary mystery. And I wanted her to kind of succeed in the film. Like, I think you need that for a story like this when the character is supposed to be so kind of desirable and so I was really kind of along for that with her and I felt that even more on the second watch than I did on the first. I think the you guys have all kind of lent into the horror aspect of it and for me that's the kind of least interesting bit for the film of the film because it, it sells like a cautionary tale doesn't it of hey guys there's creeps out there <laughs> and that was without going into the fantastical side of the horror the kind of real life real threats which ostensibly 
does manifest itself to lots of people really every day. So you have the, the identity theft side of things, which is real and happens. And I really felt sorry for her when she was speaking to the streaming website saying, look, here's my details. Can you just kick whoever's logged into my account off and then we're good and all that kind of stuff. And normally when you have that kind of phone call with the customer service, that sorts it all out. But the fact that didn't happen, that already kind of got my heckles up. And then you have the overeager followers, her followers, like Tink. moving into a local town and stuff like that. And that got the, again, heckles up even further. So for when it turned into like a more fantastical side of thing that was, seems to be causing the anomaly or the, the duplication of her account, I was like, oh, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, no, I, like, I know what you mean. It's really interesting. I was so captivated by the plot all the way through. And like Bex, you were saying, you really want to get to the bottom of what's going on. Mm. I don't think the film quite delivers a satisfying conclusion. Mm. But for some reason, and this is odd for me because I do, not that I need everything explained, but I do like a mystery to be solved. It, it doesn't really get solved. It is left ambiguous to a degree. And I kind of didn't mind. Like, I didn't care. Like, on the maybe the screenwriting side of things, it might be a little bit of a cop out. But from an audience point of view, I was truly invested in it. And so I was kind of cool with the fact that things were left unresolved. The thing that sort of stood out to me the most is... This film feels like a film about, obviously it's about identity, but how lonely and isolated she was throughout the whole movie. Yes, she's got loads of people around her on the screen. Well, she's got like her family who know by one name and then she's got the people. But they don't know who she really is. And yeah, yeah. It kind of got the thing that kept going through my mind is sort of like, you're all you've got, she's all she's got. And then when that gets taken away from her and used against her it, it really just shows how almost little she has outside of that even though she seemingly does have her family and i thought for me that was the scariest element is that she was sort of stripped of of everything just through one thing which is like the loss of herself because she was all she had and there's that scene with the birthday party like her yeah. brother's birthday party when so obviously he has kind of known that she is a cam girl mum doesn't know and so he's like 17 and she's kind of got him in on the secret and he seems pretty cool with it kind of at the beginning but at his birthday party when his friends are watching her on the stream and start kind of laughing at her, laughing at him, and then the fight breaks out. And then that moment when it all kind of explodes at the party and the mum finds out as well. And it's such a surreal moment because the mum kind of doesn't choose to deal with it in the moment and just kind of like sticks with the party and starts just singing happy birthday to him. And I was like, oh my God, like few years of therapy you know every birthday all these are going to remember is his sister being outed as a porn star in front of his mum and all of his friends but that for me was a real kind of gut punch because like you say you get the impression that the family unit is like maybe a little bit strained anyway and then that's taken away from her as well and I think it pretty much then cuts straight to her kind of like under the duvet in her room just kind of obsessively watching this like doppelganger kind of stealing her life and I think you're right Josh that tension around the kind of isolation of her circumstances really ups the ante and ups the quote-unquote horror for me. What do we make about the kind of we talked about the, well, the ending in a roundabout way, but 
how it escalates and how she does the investigative side of things, which I think is pretty cool. She tracks down her ultimate nemesis, essentially, and finds out that she's also been subsumed by this kind of, I don't know, evil doppelganger spirit. I like the way that she tracked down, I guess, that guy who seems to earn all the cards in the, in the streaming business and tracks her down to find the real name of this person. And I thought that was an interesting aspect. Again, again this, and also what you said with the party, again, those are kind of taken away from the fantastical horror bits, but also very much still like, a, this is creepy <laughs> to the nth degree. I like the mystery element of it and the sort of problem solving of it. It's frustrating though, because she doesn't always do or say what I would have done or what I wanted her to do almost. (laughs) But again, it was done in a way where I wasn't annoyed by that. I was frustrated and it was providing a level of tension. And I think maybe that was intentional. You know, when you're watching these cam girls or whoever through the screen, like they're being told what to do by the person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do exactly what you want and sort of vice versa she's sort of having to maybe do what others tell her like and sometimes it's stuff that maybe she doesn't really want to like with the sort of like that really sort of intense like vibrator scene where she's really (laughs) clearly not enjoying herself but sort of having to do it for the likes and and whatnot it's this real sort of transactional thing but I think neither party is always fully getting what they want and so there's a level of sort of like hollowness to it and inauthenticity to it and so that I think sort of marries with like what her choices are and her actions they don't they're like frustratingly not what you want her to do but then she sort of does so I think there's a nice connection there I guess and the police are like super unhelpful as always of course could be a monster the girl wouldn't be believed and even when we're we're dealing with online supernatural horror they're equally as useless and creepy it's so gross you basically get both kind of ends of the useless slash obnoxious cop spectrum because you've got one of them who basically just writes her off and says something like if you don't want to see this kind of stuff don't go on the internet and the other one who uses it as an opportunity to come on to her it's such a gross scene and kind of along with that and she goes to her kind of friends the other cam girls for help she goes to her family for help she goes to the cops for help she goes to the helpline for help like the kind of customer service and whether it's through kind of shame or rivalry or kind of like being patronising towards her and not believing her. She really is kind of all on her own to sort of solve this mystery by herself. And the cops are probably the worst out of the lot. And again, this is going back to the real edge of side of things, is like, which really hooked me in. There's a TV show, I think it's called Unbelievable. I remember it was a Caitlin Dever show where she was assaulted. Incredible show. And at the start of that, you see her interactions with multiple different police officers. And just those scenes at the start really echo what happened in here. Some officers caring, some officers not caring. And those interactions, I see more and more of them. What was that Michaela Cole TV show called? I May Destroy You. Um, yeah. So the, the interactions she had and other people had with the police in there. Michaela had actually quite good interactions with police, but her friends didn't. So when you have these close quarters, post-assault, post-disturbance interactions with police on film, it it can really, again, heckles. The word of the day, guys, is heckles. Heckles, (laughs) which I've not heard before and I really like and will start using my heckles up. (laughs) Is there anything else guys want to say before we head to the scores? Just 
the sexuality of the film I wanted to talk about briefly. I like that the film doesn't judge its characters for the job that they do. And while it is sexy, I don't think it feels like... I wouldn't say, I don't know, maybe this is me, this is me being very gay and not seeing it all, you know, because it is obviously a, a very sort of female-led movie, but it doesn't feel like eroticized. It's not exploitative. Exploitative, it feel like yeah. It, yeah. It feels like it's, they're doing their job and you sort of the nudity and the sexuality is there for a purpose and it is used as sort of a storytelling device but what I do like is on the flip side while the film isn't judging these characters I do like that all the other characters in the film are and I just think that's a nice position to be put in because it puts us in like a different sort of a different realm while watching and do you think that the film is judging the people who are judging if that makes sense like obviously it's not judging the sex workers but I feel like definitely with the cops and even to a certain extent with the mum, the film is kind of putting us as an audience like at odds with those characters. So it almost judges, the film is judging the characters for judging. Yeah, I think so. And also, especially when the stakes get higher than her getting naked on the internet, that when her family find out that's all they care about and you're just itching for her to be like, no, 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 no. But like, just put my job to one side for a minute and can we talk about what's actually happened, which is my identity has been stolen and I don't know how and I'm really scared. And she never gets to go there because she's having to deal with like, yes, fine. I do these videos, whatever. Like, And there's that frustration, that additional layer she has to deal with and sort of not being believed and all of that is is infuriating. So yeah, I think the film is especially because she's so likeable as well. The film is definitely fully putting us on her side. Well, let's head to the scores, guys. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Becky, with your recommendability. Ooh, four. An explanation of... Oh, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, explanations. As I said at the start of the chat, when people have asked me for horror recommendations on Netflix, this is one that always springs to mind for me. So I guess recommendability, I have literally recommended it to people, so I have to score it quite highly. I guess I wouldn't go as high as a five just because it is that kind of like slightly lower budget it's not got a lot of bells and whistles and it has got that kind of sexual aspect to it which and sort of like like feminism to it which i guess that everybody's super in my god not feminism i know ew (laughs) gross scariest of all horrors empowerment yeah but i think four is pretty high it is josh yeah, I'd go for a four as well, I think. It's a solid movie. I think it's well performed. And actually, it's broad enough that it can hit not just a horror audience, but sort of like a film 
loving audience as well but yeah like becky said it it does have that sort of like adult sexual content that might be off-putting to certain viewers but i would yeah fully recommend this four stars helen i'm gonna go with a four as well it has been recommended to me and i have enjoyed it and i will recommend to others (laughs) the only thing that is not giving it higher than that is that a lot of people are quite pure about their horror and while it kind of opens with a bit of a kind of slashy types vibes it starts going off in a different direction and for those kind of people who for horror if it's not like killing people then it's not in my genre man they might not get along with it but yeah I really enjoyed it and I think Madeline Brewer in it is just amazing I think she's just gives it her all and really carries it and without her performance it, it could have fell a bit flat or not quite worked as well as it does all the fours until it comes to me I'm gonna go for 3.4 I think it's a good strong film again the horror aspects again t- took me out of it and washed away the goodwill that was building up throughout the story and again also the the conclusion for me is perhaps more of an issue because I was like I don't actually understand what happened here (laughs) I don't need to understand in films generally but also it wasn't building to be something like that so I kind of felt like a slight rug pull by the end there but I think up until that I found it to be like a a taut thriller really and the lower budget side of things doesn't there's no black marks against it for being a lower budgeted film so yeah 3.4 repeat viewing score Becky I'm going to go 4.4 five just because as I said this was my second watch of it and I actually got more out of it on second watch I think that that central performance from Madeline Brewer is really really strong and she is extremely watchable and even though there are all of these horrible things happening to her I kind of enjoy spending that time with the character and I do think that the other kind of characters around her and the mystery that kind of propels the story along is kind of captivating enough so I would definitely recommend this for a repeat viewing. So was it for Mm-hmm. Josh? I think I'm going to give it a three for repeat viewing. I like it. I'm probably not going to revisit it again. I might watch the opening scene because I think that's really effective. I think that works as a really fantastic short and I really enjoyed that. But now that I sort of know what happens, I doubt the the mystery and the intensity of that will pull you through pull me through yeah now if they did a remake and it was all sexy dudes yeah. maybe that would, would watch. change my mind would watch yeah helen yeah so i was i was definitely like very much i'm not gonna rewatch this again i think i've seen it fairly recently and i was like you know what 93 minutes i could do it and like had I not rewatched it, I would definitely have been very much more in the kind of Kobe level of like, I enjoyed it, but the ending didn't quite stick it and it was a bit confusing. But going through it again, I kind of took it, approached it from a different angle. So I don't think it needs to be heavily rewatched, but if you watched it maybe a little bit of time ago and you were a bit lukewarm to it, maybe a rewatch could make you a bit warmer with it. So I'm going to give it a three. I'm probably not going to rewatch it again, but I did enjoy it the second time. Yeah, I'll go for 2.5. Not sure when I'd watch it again, but I wouldn't say no to it. I guess if the time arose and I had some time to kill, and it seemed like a, the kind of mood I was in for, some kind of sexy, supernatural stuff. So, yeah. One question for you then, Helen, and Becky, I guess, as this was your second watch and you knew where it was going, were there any more breadcrumbs that led towards what became the outcome? Or was it still kind of like, hey, this is happening now? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think there were. It has been a while since I watched it the first time. It's probably been 
five or six years because when it came out in 2018, so it would have come onto Netflix not too long after that. And we're in 2024 now, terrifyingly. So yeah, I mean, I think the fact that I hadn't watched it super recently meant that I didn't remember loads of the details. And I agree that the ambiguity of the kind of reveal for want of a better word it can feel a little bit frustrating if you want it kind of all those neat ends tied up so yeah not many more breadcrumbs but that doesn't detract from it for me okay i think for me i just kind of lent in a bit more with they basically created this program that steals identities and tinker had kind of done all the online kind of grooming thing and the only way to get rid of it is bash it out out of existence so i kind of like (laughs) Did a bit of a leap in my own imagination, but yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. But this time around, I was like, yeah, it's techno goblins or something. I don't know, something in the internet. <laughs> something in techno the- goblins. <laughs> Small screen score, Becky. So going back to what Josh said about the great use of screens in this, I think this works really well on the small screen. And it's funny, Helen, you mentioned about Unfriended earlier, because that's another film that uses screens really effectively. And another film that I think works particularly well if you're watching it on a laptop because of the kind of subject matter. So the fact that people who are watching the sort of stream that is featured in the film are most likely to watch it say on a laptop or or even on their phone i think that that works really well so i'm gonna go for a four josh i agree i think it works very effectively on a phone or a laptop because of the content, because it's about screens. It's about that kind of technology. There's also a lot of colour and sort of like visual sort of flair that keeps your interest. However, I think it's also not very action packed, as in there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of set pieces and things like that. It's in houses. There's lots of talking. And and while there is some gore and stuff like that, my attention might sway if I was watching it in my kitchen while I'm making some dinner or whatever. And then also because of the sexual content of it, it might not be something that you can maybe just pop on on your commute. (laughs) And so for that reason, I think I'm going to give it a three. Helen. I did actually the first time I watched this. It's one of the ones that I actually like watched at the gym. So I didn't really think that someone could have maybe been behind me. They might have watched it. Yeah, it is, yeah. Well, if someone's really close behind you on the treadmill, I'd be really worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this wouldn't have drove me to the cinema to see it. And yeah, I think that kind of the screen watching on the screen works really well for home viewing. So I'm going I'm to give it a five. It's one of those ones that is like lurking on Netflix and it's like, that's the place to go for it. So go on there and you're not, you're not going to find it at the cinema. It's unlikely to be released at the cinema, so go and find it on Netflix. Yeah, I'm going for a five as well. I think I don't think it makes for cinema viewing. There's nothing band crash wallop about the sound. It's all about the story, and the visuals don't need. And yeah, the visuals don't strike me as like super cinematic. Engagement score, Becky. I'm going to go three point five. I think that as I've kind of already said so I'm going to start repeating myself but like it's the character at the center of it that really kind of draws me through and the sort of mystery and her interactions with the people that she is surrounded with so the other cam girls and her family and the kind of creeps on the internet so I think I guess I'm slightly contradicting myself in terms of my kind of rewatchability score because I really enjoyed it on second watch and it definitely kind of captivated me but it's the story and the characters that kind of keep you in 
And maybe the kind of reveal and the mystery and stuff leaves a little bit wanting. So yeah, I'm going to go 3.5. Josh? Yeah, I'm going to do a 3.5 as well. I think I could easily turn this off at any point, having seen it now. But it does have a captivating story. It's quite thrilling. If the situation around me was less distracting than the movie, I'd probably be probably be engaged. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to give it a solid four. It kept me interested. It's a short runtime as well. It was a little bit when they're kind of, she's like following the entities around and it was a bit like, come on, I'm waiting to see what happens. But yeah, otherwise I was fairly engaged. I was four engaged. Nice. I'm going for 3.5 as well, mainly because it didn't stick the landing and the landing was like uh, annoying as I've iterated a few times today. <laughs> so that gives us an overall score of 3.74375. Decent repeat viewing score being the main letdown for this. Guys, Becky, Josh, can you tell us where we can find you online? Thank you very much for picking a film and say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, so you can find me on socials at Bunny Dark. So it's B-U-N-N-Y-D-A-R-K-E. And I post everything that I'm kind of writing and podcasting and appearing at on there. And you can find me at Joshua Tonks on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Blue Sky. I know there's like four people on there, but I am one of them. So you can find me on there. And you can check out my film, The Latent Image. It is available for streaming on Amazon Prime. You can buy a DVD if you fancy feeling a bit retro, like it's 2007. And it's on the streaming service Deku as well. And it's very good. Amazing. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to talk about Cam as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. See ya. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix Watcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.